Hello, and welcome to the Story Wagon Podcast, where we talk about life, story, and spiritual health. I am your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and you can learn more about this podcast at our website, storywagon.org. You can also show us your support on our Patreon page so that we can continue to host this podcast and create resources that help our communities develop good spiritual health. Welcome. So this is the sixth episode that we're on today for the Story Wagon podcast. And today I brought a special guest of mine who is a colleague and works with me at Truman Medical Center. Her name is Ramona Winfield, and she is an excellent person to talk about our next topic, which is grief. Ramona, welcome. Thank you. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Well... As you said, my name is Ramona Winfield. I am a palliative care chaplain at Truman Medical Center. I'm associate minister at St. Stephen Baptist Church, 1414 Truman Road. Um, I've been at Truman for a little over a year. I am mother of three sons, um, all grown, all out of the house, no empty nests, Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> I have. I was born in Texas, but I lived most of my life here in Kansas City. Grew up here, right in the urban community. Um, Mom died when I was four. My grandmother raised me. I'm the youngest of ten. She raised all ten of us, um, and she passed. She lived to be 105. That's what it means to have ten kids. Take me now, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah. So thanks for coming. Now, you said that you're a palliative care chaplain. Could you tell us a little bit what palliative care means? Palliative care is supportive care for patients that have a life-limiting illness. Uh, a lot of people confuse us with hospice. We are not hospice. Um, what we do is we... Uh, minister to, and I say that with the whole team, we minister to the patient, uh, make sure that they're, we have a nurse practitioner on our team, we have the directors, the doctor, uh, pharmacist, social worker, and myself, chaplain. And we usually round with patients together and basically want to find out if they're uh, pain is being controlled, if their symptoms are being controlled, uh, if they need any help outside of the hospital when they go home. My specific role is to assess their spiritual care. So I do an assessment of the patient about concerns around uh, their religion, uh, how does their religion benefit them in times of struggle and I might be going a little too far, huh? No, no, okay. that's good. All right. So um, uh, assess their grieving, um, how they're grieving, uh, how I can help with their grieving. So we, we touch on a, a lot of things, and a lot of times we don't even mention uh, the religious aspect of life. Just talking to a person, you can find where they are uh, religiously, spiritually, or if they have no religion at all or spirituality at all. Wow. Yeah. So you were talking about how you 
when you're in assessments, you're looking at grief. And so when we're looking at grief, how, how do you define grief and what is grief? And then are there just, is there just one type of grief? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of questions. That's, I'm sorry. that's, a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, grief, um, I would say grief, grief is an emotion. Uh, it encompasses most times, if it's with a patient, it's fear. Fear of illness, the pain of illness, the consequences of illness, death, dying, what happens after life, leaving family behind. So it encompasses a whole lot of different aspects um, in the emotional state of the patient. We talk about disenfranchised grief, and that's grief. Actually, everyone feels grief at one time or another. It's not just people in the hospital. Disenfranchised grief is the loss of a job, the loss of a car, maybe a limb. And there are people that are dealing with that. They don't realize that that's a process of grief. Uh, but as we get to talking more, it, it comes out. Uh, we also deal with anticipatory grief. And we deal with that a lot with palliative patients because they are anticipating the separation from family, death, afterlife, how their family is going to be able to cope without them. And they're dealing with this fear, but they don't know that this is a, a part of grief. And a lot of times they are, if we're talking a religious person, a person that goes to church, sometimes have a fear of expressing grief because somewhere down the line, they've learned trust in God and uh, never worry. But knowing that you're leaving a place that you have been all your life and everyone that you know and everything that you've done, it's kind of scary. And so they feel sometimes that they don't, they're not supposed to grieve, they're not supposed to question, they're not supposed to ask God, why me? So yeah, grief is, it's a lot to deal with. Uh, there are five stages of grief. <laughs> okay, so, so let me see if I can remember them all. There is depression, anger. Uh, Denial. Is that one? Who? Denial. Denial. Acceptance. And bargaining. Bargaining. Thank you. Thank you so much for your help. <laughs> and, and sometimes they think there's, if they've heard of it, they think they're supposed to be going through this in a certain way. But the stages come in different ways at different times. It's not just one, two, three, four, five, and you're done. Grieving is over. It doesn't happen like that. Yeah, yeah, and grief seems like it takes on its own, uh, depending on the person, whether they do have a spiritual uh, life or mm -hmm. not, um, or whether they're connected to that, whether they have a good support system or not. Yes, you know, that's another big thing. So you said that that you deal a lot in your in your uh, realm of chaplaincy of palliative care um, with anticipatory grief. Mm -hmm. um, so. When, you, when we're talking about anticipatory grief, we're not just talking about the patient. We're also, no, we're also talking about, about the family, family members and friends. And mm -hmm. yes, because this patient has gotten a diagnosis of a illness 
that there is no cure for. They can opt for aggressive treatment to help them live longer, but eventually this illness will take them to the end, pass on. And so the patient knows this is happening and the family knows this is happening too. So while they're in the process of ministering and taking care of the patient, they're, they're grieving also. So when we're looking at people, be, people's behavior, so when family hears of a family member of having a terminal illness, let's mm -hmm. say cancer, and it's, the prognosis looks like they're not going to be able to live, survive this, mm -hmm. what, what are some of the emotions or what some of the actions that you see some of the, the family members do whenever they take that news? Well, they start um, bargaining, they are depressed, they cry, they're emotional, don't believe that it's going, that it's happening to them, uh, wonder why. I mean, it's a whole gamut of reasons or things that they go through when they experience that a loved one is, is passing. And I, I've actually seen times when the patient is comforting the family. Mm. But there's a process that we, we all have to go through uh, in, in times like these, in times of loss, even in times of just illness. You know the loss is coming and you, you don't want it to happen. And you're praying and you're asking God, don't let this happen. I need this person. So the patient is dealing with this sense of loss and the family members are dealing with this sense of loss and this sense of separation that is yet to come. Mm. And so when you're working with the family and trying to help them through this process of grief, what other aspects of health do you, do you pull in to help them through that process? You know, we're, you know, we chaplains, we, 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 we're in the spiritual health realm, but we know spiritual health is interconnected with mental health. We know it's interconnected with the emotional health. What, how do you, how do you draw in those other pillars of health? Like how do you help the patient? or the family member to go through? Well, my theory or way of dealing with it is more listening and less talking. Mm -hmm. um, most times, once the patient starts to talk, they will tell you everything that they're feeling they're going through, they've experienced in the past, and from that, you will understand that, okay, there is an emotional aspect to this. There is a spiritual aspect to this. There is a physical aspect to this. And sometimes the physical as aspect is more, an emotional aspect is dealing more with the spiritual because it's that fear of the unknown. Mm. And they don't want to talk about Sometimes they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. They want to just avoid it. If I don't hear it, it's not happening. So as a chaplain, got to be open to experiencing the patient right where they are in their mental, emotional, physical status, right where they are and be able to read between the lines because they'll say one thing. Mm -hmm. But as they talk a while longer, you'll hear a whole lot a whole lot more right and sometimes if you bring it up they'll want to talk about it sometimes they may not but that's the key it's what the patient wants mm -hmm. it's not what 
I need to fill out my assessment and get it done. It's what you want to tell me, what you want to share with me, and how I can empathize with you, right. be there with you in this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I really love the whole idea of like listening to a person's story. You know, for me, storytelling is one of the best spiritual practices that we can do. Uh, doesn't matter what religion you are, storytelling is ingrained in, in the DNA of a lot of different religions. And so when you're listening to somebody's story as they're telling it, are there things that you help them do to really help them draw out the story that they're trying to say or trying to tell? Or, or are you just... Well, there's always a point where you can ask the question. Someone will start talking about their grandbaby and uh, oh, I'm not ready to leave my grandbaby. I just want to spend time with her. So tell me about your grandbaby and that will lead to that emotional connection with that child and that sense of loss and, and eventually goes on to incorporate other members of the family and that sense of loss there. There are times when I just say, you know, you, you're talking about your grandchild and you don't want to not be around them. Uh, maybe you should write them a letter. If you like, I can bring you a notepad and you can write a letter and address it to them and they can read it when they get older. Their parents can read it to them now. Or you can just write it down just for yourself. Mm. And that tends to help. I think I've had like three or four patients that actually opt to do that and, and wanted to share uh, their letter or their story mm. uh, once they finished it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's an amazing, amazing feat that they want to actually share that part of their life with you. Yeah, and there's like a sacredness mm -hmm. to, exactly. to the interchange. Exactly. Like, that. take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. <laughs> right. Well, that's amazing. So you said that you're you also are a pastor at uh, St. Stephen's Baptist Church here in Kansas City, right? Associate minister. Associate minister. Mm -hmm. And so when, you know, I'm sure there's death that happens within the congregation, mm -hmm. people losing other people. Mm -hmm. uh, how does your work in the chaplain field, especially palliative care, help you in the ministry that you're doing outside the hospital? I think... Um, it's not separate. What I do at Truman is not separate from what I do at St. Stephen, and it's not separate from who I am. Because mm -hmm. I've experienced grief in my life. I've experienced grief in my family. I've experienced grief in the congregation. And so in that, with every experience, you learn a little more about the person and you learn a little bit more about yourself if you're willing to open up and see what God has to show you. Uh, so it, it's amazing to me because just when I started uh, clinical pastoral education, that was the thing that caught me. That was the thing that said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. The fact that I got to know myself, mm -hmm. the, the good things and the bad things about myself. And it amazes me. Because I thought, you are just crazy. <laughs> uh, but I knew that all, all along. It just, you know, brought it out. Yeah. 
but the fact that it helped me understand me and all the things I'm going through and my relationship with God and my relationship with my family and friends and congregation and how all of that that is in me can help minister to someone that is going through anything. Uh, not, not just death, not just loss, but just life experiences. If we're willing to share now, don't get me wrong, you don't tell everybody everything. Mm-hmm. But God will let you know at a point in time when this is a, short, a story that you need to share with this person. Mm-hmm. It will help them, help ease their mind, their spirit. And sometimes to say, be still and listen. Mm. Being still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have a person that's out there listening and saying, you know, I've, I'm still grieving my mother's passing. It's been 10 years. I'm still grieving. Uh, or a person that, that says, uh, I lost my best friend mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I deal with that a lot with my, uh, with my veteran colleagues. You know, mm-hmm. they, uh, they're still in the war, you know, sort of thing, experiencing that loss mm-hmm. you know, uh, of their comrade, you yeah. know. So how do you help them accept the grieving process or, you know, maybe they might be stuck in a, in a point of grief. Mm-hmm. How do you help them move forward? How do I attempt to help uh, attempt, them? Yeah, attempt. <laughs> right. Well, the writing, sharing their stories, writing a letter helps. But then there's sometimes I'll just put an empty chair beside the bedside and I'll say, this person is sitting right here. What would you like to say to them? Mm. Or what do you think they would say to you? Mm. And then that brings on a whole deeper conversation, uh, deeper meaning to uh, the connection with that person. And... Uh, Ways that, not necessarily letting go, but moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in any situation, if someone really loves you and you're grieving that person that really loves you and that person that you really love, they don't want you to be in a state of grief mm. for so many years. Right. And so if they can have a conversation with this person and recognize this is not what this person wants, it makes it just a little easier to move forward, not lose that memory of that person, not lose that person in their mind, their body, and their spirit, but just to move on and develop their own life, mm-hmm. their own journey. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like when people are like in that, you know, stuck in that moment, is it because they're not letting go of a particular thing or you think it's more complicated than that? Well, it kind of depends on the person. Sometimes it's, it's not letting go. Sometimes it's, I, I just can't. That was the most important thing in my life. Oh, mm-hmm. That was what I had to hold on to the, me. That was how I survived. This person gave me life. This person is gone. There is no life. Mm. Mm. Almost like a loss of hope mm-hmm. without that. Wow. Okay. So when when we're talking about grief and let's say a person is in that in that moment and we often know that sometimes these spiritual issues uh affect the mental health and the mental health affects the spiritual health issues so like if there's a an issue of depression Mm -hmm. 
how, how do you incorporate uh, the spiritual practices or spiritual the spirituality part to help a person with the mental health you know mm-hmm. I you know I always tell people they kind of go hand in hand and yes you need to go seek that counseling but also we also have a part to play within our spiritual dimension of exactly. health. Uh, how do you how do you approach that so, uh, when you said that that's exactly what I was thinking making sure that they have the needed medication they're taking it regular they have someone to speak with a therapist also just a friend or a family member that they can open up and share with uh, but the spiritual and the mental is so connected so connected and people laugh at folks that they think are crazy but when you go and talk to these people they know more about the world more about the a relationship with God and who God is than most people Mm -hmm. and I think that's because of that that strong faith that strong belief that acknowledgement their inability to have fear when talking about supernatural things. Mm -hmm. People deem them as crazy. Mm -hmm. But again, my role is to listen and to to interject if necessary. If not, just to talk, because they get comfort in their mind and in their spirit when they are being heard. Mm -hmm. And if you're deemed mentally ill, people don't really listen to you. Mm. So, and, and that's another place where I can reach inside of me and pull up the, an experience of not being heard. African American woman in a black church ministry, uh, just growing up all my life, that was a whole issue, not being heard. Mm. So when you're listening to these people, young and old, that are dealing with things they believe are godly things are supernatural and the world is telling you you're crazy it just just helps to know that there's somebody there to that cares enough to pay attention to you to listen to you Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that okay this is not my life this is your life Mm -hmm. and we can talk about anything that you need to talk about it's not about me it's about you right so I don't claim to be a therapist <laughs> right but God has shown me so many things in my life and just in my ministry that I don't doubt anything mm-hmm. anybody say mm-hmm. so when you're working with other people with other belief systems you know as a chaplain we work where people are and so that takes us to a lot of interreligious conversations mm-hmm. how does how, how do you see other folks with different religions and perspectives handle the grief part the the, the imminent death sort of thing when when you're working with palliative care patients you, you know I don't think the major difference is in religion I think the difference in expressing grief is in culture mm. Like I said, I grew up here in the inner city, and I will let people know when I speak to like new CPE students that have come to research or Truman and joining the program. You know, I'll ask, "Have you ever 
experienced the grief of an African-American family mm. because we grieve with great expression. And it can be, can be scary to people that are not used to it. And the wailing women, the anger that has come about because of this loss or uh, the cussing, the hitting walls, the running around, they're not out to hurt anybody. It's just the way they grieve. Mm -hmm. And then there are other families, and I'm not saying this is just limited to African-American families because other cultures grieve like that too, but you see it more in the African-American com community. Uh, and then there's families, African-American community also, that are just, okay, okay, we can, it's, it's okay, God called them home, or they don't express their grief in the moment. It's something they take with them and deal with once they have left the hospital. And in cases like that, you know, you just talk to them, listen, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. How are you doing? What can I do? Ask them about this patient, this family member. What, what is the funniest thing you remember about them? And they'll share that story and then the whole room is sharing stories and they're laughing. Not, not to say that they're not grieving, but this is the moment in time of reflection mm -hmm. of the life of the person that they have lost. And these are memories that you want them to take with them when they leave here. Not only the sad memory, okay, she died, she's gone, but remember what she has meant in your life. Mm -hmm. So kind of conversations around that. Mm. Yeah, that's excellent. So now, you talk about the different religion, because I think I talked about that, but I kind of went a, a different direction. Uh -huh. So. I know when we, you have to know what their religious beliefs are uh -huh. around talking to a chaplain, because um, there are some times that you get Jehovah Witnesses, mm. and they don't want anything to do with anybody except for people from their church, mm -hmm. and that's that's okay, mm -hmm. that's okay. This it's not that I need to be in the room with you. This is about you. This is not about me. It's about the patient. So if you don't want me there, if there's anything I can do to help, if I can call a kingdom hall for you, I'll do it. I don't have a problem with that. I keep eating this mic. <laughs> um, so just being able to be with them mm -hmm. and meet them right where they are. Uh, it's not my responsibility to tell you who God is right. in your life. My God, my responsibility is to know and accept what God is in my life mm -hmm. and show the love of God to others. Right. And that's accepting them wherever they are. Right. Well, that's beautiful. Well, Ramona, well, if uh, a person wanted to get in contact with you, is there a way that they can contact you? Is, do you have a website? Is there a, anything I like? am not that technically sound. <laughs> Just, no, just no. go to St. Stephen's Baptist Church. You can go to St. Stephen Baptist Church. <laughs> I'm usually not there on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. All right. But you can always call the chaplain's office at Truman Medical Center. Mm -hmm. uh, if I don't answer or if uh, no one answers, leave a message. I'll get the message and I will call you and talk <laughs> to you about whatever you need to talk about. Oh, that's excellent. And there we have it, folks. Episode six in the books. Thank you, Ramona, again for coming with us and sharing your wisdom. 
I also want to say thank you to a couple other folks. I want to say thank you to Sam Billen for providing us with the music or for letting us utilizing the music uh, from the beginning and the end here. You can visit his website at primarycolormusic.com. I also want to say thank you for National Benefits Association uh, for helping us start this organization so that we can start this podcast and also our future recordings of our documentaries. You can visit them at nbacares.org. And if you want to help us and support us in other ways, you can visit us at any of the social media websites such as Instagram or Facebook. Type in StoryWagon. Or you can visit us at our Patreon page. Just type in StoryWagon. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-A-G-E-N. And ultimately, you can visit us at our website, www.storywagon.org. And with that note, I want to say thank you to the listener for supporting us and listening to this podcast. It's amazing to see where people are listening from, from either coast and other places in the world. So thank you for that. And with that, this is Chaplain Jose Martinez wishing you good spiritual health.